Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am your host, Doris Hansen. We're here every Thursday night at 8 p.m. to talk about the legacy uh, that Joseph Smith left us of polygamy. And we do hope that you enjoy tonight's show and that you do learn something new, something maybe you didn't already know. Joseph Smith admitted that he had some problems understanding why there were so many churches around him, and he said so on page 706 of the Times and Seasons Mormon publication of March 1st, 1842. And I'm going to quote what he said. Considering that all could not be right and that God could not be the author of so much confusion, I determined to investigate the subject more fully, believing that if God had a church, it would not be split up into factions, and that if He taught one society to worship one way and administer in one set of ordinances, He would not teach another principles which were diametrically opposed." Well, in one sense, what Joseph Smith said was true, because it came from the Bible. And that is that God is not the author of confusion, and He's not. But Joseph Smith himself was terribly confused about Christian churches and what they do or do not believe. We find it interesting that Joseph Smith said, and I quote again, believing that if God had a church, it would not be split up into factions. And yet the very church that he started has splintered off into well over 200 factions and different spin-offs from his original Mormon only true church idea. Well, many of those factions are, of course, the polygamy groups, uh, which are the Mormon fundamentalists and are the main focus of our program. However, there is one faction of the original Mormon church that is rarely in the news. Little attention is given to this particular branch of Mormonism, at least on this side of the Rocky Mountains. And that faction is the RLDS, or the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, they are considerably smaller than the Utah LDS Church, but larger than the polygamy groups are. Now, this should be very confusing to us. We have the RLDS, and we have the LDS, and we have the FLDS polygamy group, plus numerous other factions and other polygamy groups, all of them venerating Joseph Smith as their prophet. Well, over 150, 175 years later, it appears that Joseph Smith was wrong. If the Mormon church is right, why has it broken off into so many uh, confusing factions and all of them holding Joseph Smith as their prophet and theirs as the only true church? Well, tonight we are going to make the connection or the non-connection, as it were, with polygamy and Joseph Smith and the RLDS church, which refused to own polygamy as a doctrine or that they refuse to even believe that God or Joseph Smith um, authorized or commanded polygamy, and they rejected plural marriage altogether, but they still held on to Joseph Smith as their prophet. Uh, 
To discuss this interesting topic, our guest tonight is Sandra Tanner, who with her late husband, Gerald Tanner, are founders of the Utah Lighthouse Ministry, which is aptly named as being the beacon revealing truth and error of early and present day Mormonism. So I'd like to introduce and welcome our guest. She's been here several times in the past, and you're here again, yes. Sandra oh, Tanner. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for coming. Now maybe for our viewers who are not aware of your ministry, or at least maybe of the address of your website and, and maybe your bookstore, would you like to give that to their, for their reference? Sure. Um, the uh, website is uh, www.utlm.org, uh, or if someone just did a uh, web search, they could go to uh, Utah Lighthouse Ministry, and it would pull up our webpage. We have a bookstore here in Salt Lake uh, at... 1358 Southwest Temple, and uh, I'm there most days during the week. Anyone wants to stop by and talk to me about anything, they're certainly welcome to do that. Mm -hmm. And it, sometimes it's some very interesting conversations when we do that as well. Yeah. And, and they can order books over yes. the internet, and you mail them off to them, and they don't have to come to the bookstore. But right. They can yeah. Do that. So we have a huge outreach through the internet. Yeah. Uh, but we do have the bookstore where people can walk in anonymously, and we have that quite often, <laughs> where people that are struggling with Mormonism will come in and talk with me, and, uh, and they don't need to say who they are. They can just come in and talk mm -hmm. if they're trying to feel out what the other side's talking about. <laughs> mm -hmm. Good, and it's very good. It's a very good ministry. I, I know that I used it when I was first coming yeah. out, and, and I was scared, but yeah. you were very, very gracious, yes. and I, I, I still remember that. Even though the RLDS has been re reorganized again and taken a new name called the Community of Christ, we're going to be referring it to it tonight as the RLDS for clarity because we're going to be discussing its past when it was uh, the RLDS. Now the two largest factions of Joseph Smith's Mormon Church are obviously the LDS and the RLDS and I do suspect that most of our viewers, especially our polygamy viewers, probably are not very familiar with them. They know little or nothing uh, about them or what they stood for or why they're even different. Uh, so let's start kind of from um, to lay the foundation of who they are. Where are their headquarters? And do they have more than one basic location? Or are they just well? Their headquarters is in Independence, Missouri, and uh, they own part of the plot that Joseph Smith designated for the temple in the last days. And so they've built their own temple there and their own uh, headquarters across the street. Some Mormons, and across the street from them is the Temple Lot Church. So you have three factions of Mormonism on kitty corners for each other well, there when you go to Independence, Missouri. That's yeah. interesting. Uh, three different factions of, yeah. of the one true church. church. <laughs> um, the RLDS and the LDS have, have many things in common and they have very many uh, sharp differences as well. Yeah. So let's kind of start with some of the basic things that they have in common. Uh, what, what would they be? Well, the reorganized LDS church uses the Book of Mormon they use the Doctrine and Covenants, but their Doctrine and Covenants is a little different than the Utah one. They didn't accept all the same um, revelations, so they didn't canonize all the same selection of early Mormonism, and then they've added to theirs through the years. Mm. So it's a little different than the Utah DNC. The Reorganized Church does not accept the Book of Abraham. Uh, they do accept Joseph Smith's inspired revision, and the Mormons have part of that uh, in their Book of Moses in the Pearl of Great Price, mm -hmm. but um, well, 
Joseph Smith's doctrines changed over the 14 years that he headed up Mormonism, and it went from one god to plural gods, uh, from one wife to plural wives. It uh, went from heaven and hell to different levels of heaven, and everyone practically gets saved. And so because of this shifting doctrine, you'll find that of the different splinter groups, they've chosen different points at which when they felt that Mormonism went off the track or where Joseph went off the track or Brigham went off track or whatever. And so in the different splinter groups, you get very different doctrines depending on when they think the church uh, quit being faithful to God. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the reorganized church does not accept the Nauvoo period of doctrine. So mm -hmm. they're more okay. faithful to Mormonism before, before 1840, before that. Uh -huh. So when it gets to the Nauvoo period, then they, um, depend on who you talk to, they <laughs> feel that Joseph kind of went off the grid and started teaching things that weren't right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they don't accept that period of teaching. Mm -hmm. So the organized church traditionally would only believe in one God. Uh, they would sound very uh, close to a Trinitarian idea. Uh, they never accepted temple ritual, so they don't have eternal marriages. But they have a temple, but they don't do... They the, just what, have the, services there. Oh, okay. <laughs> so okay, it's, not a it's not a closed temple. Oh, it's, not a closed, okay. it's more like the Mormon tabernacle, uh -huh. where they would just hold special meetings and yeah. conference and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, doctrines of the reorganized church um, have... Over the years, the reorganized church has moved away from some of Joseph Smith's teachings. So they're less like Mormonism now than they were when they first formed mm -hmm. in 1860. Mm -hmm. uh, they've gone through their own revisions. Um, but, but they hold to the Book of Mormon. So, and, and we were talking earlier that we, you don't find Mormonism, Utah Mormonism, in the Book of Mormon. Do you find RLDS in the Book of Mormon? You, the Reorganized Church could find more of their beliefs centered in the Book of Mormon. The Reorganized Church, I think, still holds to... Uh, the three kingdoms in heaven, which is from the Doctrine and Covenants, not from the Book of Mormon. Mm -hmm. right. So they would have that in common with Utah, but not in common with the Book of Mormon. <laughs> okay, so in fact, I have a statement that was made uh, that said the RLDS hold that the Book of Mormon falls outside the traditional standards of historical documentation and veracity. Do they accept it as a spiritual book or as a historical book? Well, the statement you're giving is a, a modern one, not what they started out claiming not what they in started 1860. Out with. Right. <laughs> and so today the reorganized church has has tried to make a little distance on the Joseph Smith part, and so you no longer have to affirm that the Book of Mormon is historical to be reorganized. Oh, okay. uh, you can take it as inspired allegory or something that way, and it doesn't have there didn't have to be really Nephites. Um, so they've m modified wow. and moved away wow. from a strict sense of that. That's that's very interesting. Uh, now I want to move into uh, how they how they uh, organized and reorganized after uh, Joseph Smith died and and Brigham Young took over the Utah part of the church. But there was a blessing that was supposedly given by Joseph Smith to his son Joseph Smith the third on January seventeenth of eighteen forty four. And in part, this blessing said, and we're going to put this on the screen, and I'm going to quote, 
Blessed of the Lord is my son Joseph, who is called the third, for the Lord knows the integrity of his heart and loves him because of his faith and righteous desires. And for this cause has the Lord raised him up, that the promises made to his fathers might be fulfilled, even that the anointing of the progenitor might be upon the head of my son and his seed after him from generation to generation, for he shall be my successor to the presidency of the high priesthood, a seer and a revelator and a prophet unto the church, which appointed uh, appointment belongeth to him by blessing and also by right. Now this is what Joseph Smith supposedly said to his son. Is this blessing, is it genuine? Is it verified as being genuine? Is it an, something that well, you can find in history? Is, what's the story here? <laughs> Well, now you kind of thrown me on that one because I'm not sure that that is authentic. Uh, are you sure that's not a quote that's using a Hoffman document? This is uh, from the Saints Herald, Volume 128, April 15, 1981, Independence, Missouri. Yeah, but that might be the Hoffman document. I don't remember specific wording of a document for his blessing. Um, so I, I suspect that that's... That's the one that, that the Hoffman would have used to... Made up. To made up. No, the one he made up. Oh, the one I don't think that we have uh, why a statement. Why would that be quoted in? Because that's when they still thought it was authentic. Oh, oh, this <laughs> so, is interesting. Yeah, jo um, that's Mark, a whole that's a whole new story, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Mark Hoffman was a young Mormon returned missionary who made up some false historical documents and was selling them mm -hmm. both the reorganized church and the Utah church. And I believe that's his Joseph Smith the Third blessing that he invented. And the reason he invented it and why people accepted it originally as authentic is because there were stories and claims that a blessing had been given mm -hmm. to Joseph Smith III, that Joseph had designated him to be a successor. And so Mark Hoffman in the 80s was making up documents that fit historical frameworks so people would buy them and pay him money for them. Right. Uh, but there is evidence that a, such a blessing was given, whether that was the wording or not. Mm -hmm. uh, and not just once, there's, I think, claims of maybe three times um, over a period of 10 years that Joseph may have laid hands on his son and said that he was to be his successor. The problem with that is that uh, he has, he, along the way, he designated other people to be his successor as well. Yeah. I mean, so it made yeah. it all muddy when he died of who it should be. But uh, there are, there are uh, several people from that time period that have written about and uh, claim that they were there when Joseph set aside his son to be his successor. Mm -hmm. And so the reorganized church is based on that they're, so they're, claim. They're based that Joseph Smith III should have been the prophet rather right. than, than Brigham right. Young. They argue for a lineal descent of priesthood authority for the president of the church, that it should be Joseph line was designated to be uh -huh. the prophet of the church. Okay. Um, now, there were several attempts um, to to bring Joseph Smith, by the RLDS, to bring Joseph Smith into that position. And for a long time, he refused it. He didn't want to accept the position, but he eventually took it. Yeah. Uh, why did he hold back, and why did he eventually decide to take it? Well, uh, Joseph Smith III, Joseph Smith's son was only about 11 when the father was killed. Mm -hmm. And so even those that believed in the ordination of the son to be the successor knew that at 11, 
there's no way he could lead the church, especially when sure. they were going through such turmoil in Nauvoo. You couldn't have a kid running the show. Yeah. And so Brigham Young stepped in and said, well, with the death of the president, the authority should fall back to the Quorum of the Twelve to run the church and then pick a president later. And he was stalling for time. Um, and originally, Brigham had even said things about someday the son will come in and have his rightful place, uh, but he was too young. And so Brigham Young worked himself into the job by, uh -huh. by arguing that it should be in the hands of the Twelve. Part of the reason there was a division over who should lead the church at that time was that there was a inner circle of Joseph Smith's followers that knew about polygamy, that knew about the Council of Fifty and the political kingdom Joseph envisioned. And then there were those that weren't a part of that and that didn't involve polygamy. So in Nauvoo, the, the Mormons in the 1840s were not publicly announcing polygamy. This was a big secret. Mm -hmm. So there were certain leaders that knew yeah. and were in on the deal, took plural wives, and then there was this other faction that didn't know about it and fought it. Right. Because they'd heard rumors of it, and so they, they were all worried. Okay, when Joseph Smith dies, the guys over here that are in on the practice of polygamy, uh, they want one of their guys leading the show. They don't want somebody else coming in that wasn't part of the inner circle. Okay, the top contenders besides um, Brigham Young and the Quorum of the Twelve, there were, uh, there was a fellow by the name of Strang that claimed he was the prophetic successor to Joseph Smith. There was uh, the Laws who had issued the Nauvoo Expositor, that had, the newspaper that Joseph Smith had destroyed, which led to his arrest and death. Mm -hmm. The Laws started a faction. Um, there were oh, Brewster that went to Texas, he had a faction. Um, who were the other ones? Sidney Rigdon had a faction. Going, so there were the different contenders, but they weren't in the polygamy inner circle. Mm -hmm. So the guys in that group said, oh, yeah, we think Brigham's got the right idea. It should be the Quorum of Twelve. And besides that, Joseph III isn't old enough to step into mm -hmm. the role. But the promise was kind of left out there by Brigham Young. Someday, the son would come into his rightful place when he grew up and got older. Then, of course, when they got to Utah, he would have had to have come to Utah to yes. fulfill in that. Um, as he grew older, and and of course Emma was talking to him, and and um, his his other well, she completely denied polygamy, um, and he found out about polygamy. And that's one thing that Joseph Smith the third and his other sons really did not want to to believe that polygamy was true. Um, and that he lived it. There's a quote from D. Michael Quinn in Mormon Hierarchy, page 236, um, that says that Joseph Smith, and I quote, rejected Utah Mormonism out of hand because of his moral and physical revulsion of polygamy. Did right. that, that was kind of the standard that he went into being president and prophet yeah. of the RLDS, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it's kind of interesting when you read about his life. After Joseph Smith dies, Emma, doesn't come west, she doesn't follow Brigham Young because she doesn't believe polygamy. She stays behind in Nauvoo, and, and in a couple of years she marries a non-Mormon fellow uh, and continues to live in the community. But here is Joseph Smith's sons being raised there in Illinois without really contact with Mormons. Their young uh, years, teen years or childhood, are away from Mormonism. Uh, mm -hmm. They went to the Methodist church yeah. some with the mother. 
So they don't really know Mormonism. All they know is the mom keeps telling them, no, your dad doesn't practice polygamy. But they didn't really know Mormonism. Yeah. And so then when they reorganized, well, when the Mormons, the majority of the Mormons came west with Brigham Young, there were always a lot of Mormons that stayed behind. There were Mormons all through Iowa and strung back across plains yeah. <laughs> to get back to independence. People that only came so far and ran out of money and couldn't make the trip the rest of the way or whatever. People that didn't believe Brigham Young. Right. And so there was a whole bunch of dissatisfied people out there in between independence and Utah. And so some of the leaders that had stayed behind started getting together and they formed the start of the reorganized church. They wanted a church that didn't have polygamy in it. And that was the whole basis. Mm -hmm. We don't want polygamy in our group. Well, they knew that Emma had raised her boys to not believe in polygamy. And they also knew about these blessings that have been given. Now, they, Joseph had a son, David, that was born after Joseph died. Emma was pregnant when Joseph right. was killed. Yeah. Joseph had said before he died that David would be his successor. So you have Joseph at different times giving promises to two different sons that they would be the leader. So that made a bit of confusion and everything. Uh, but so when these boys start growing up and the reorganized church starts to get going in the 1850s, they start coming around to Joseph Smith III to try to talk him into coming into their group because now he's in his 20s. Well, he doesn't know anything about the Mormon church. So he has to start reading up on all this. Well, I don't know if I want to be the prophet, you know. So he's reading and his mom keeps telling him, you know, that uh, those guys out in Utah are all wrong. That wasn't the way your dad was. So finally, in um, 1860, they convinced Joseph Smith III to come into the movement as their prophet. Now, the movement was already going, but mm -hmm. it's in mm -hmm. 1860 that they set Joseph Smith III aside as their prophet. Now, there was a little bit of tension there on David, the young brother, um, and David relinquished all claims to the leadership. David was uh, not looking for that kind of a role. So he was happy to turn yeah. it over to his brother. Um, it, there's a quote from Mormon Polygamy by Richard Van Wagner, uh, where he talks about what um, uh, Joseph Smith III, the son, mm -hmm. thought about Joseph Smith's polygamy. And, he's, and he said, and I quote, I've been told that my father taught such doctrines, referring to polygamy, and I've never believed it and never can believe it. If such things were done, then I believe <clears throat> they never were of divine authority. I believe my father was a good man, and a good man could never have promulgated such doctrines. So he, he <clears throat> he's refusing to believe, at least in this period of time, that his father was a polygamist. Well, he's, but he's hedging. This is a statement he makes towards the end of his life, or the... <clears throat> uh, after he's had contact with the Utah Mormons. Mm -hmm. At first, he's <clears throat> adamant. There's no truth to any of that. So the statement you're reading is a later statement after he's had contact with the Mormons in Utah that have tried to convince him mm -hmm. Joseph had plural wives because uh, they uh, talked to Joseph Smith III, uh, the younger brother David, and another brother, um, Alexander, had come out to Utah a couple of different times. They made mission trips out Mission there, actually, trips to, to convert the Mormons back right. to the old way. But they, in the process, they met all these women that claimed to have been Joseph's wives, men that had been a part of polygamy in Nauvoo. And um, 
So when Joseph III makes this statement that even if he had been involved, it was the wrong thing, that's after he's finally been forced to concede his dad may, that he may have, have had some kind of inkling of this. David, the younger son, uh, comes out to Utah in um, uh, the 70s, 1870s. And he interviews all these people that tell him and assert to him that Joseph was responsible for polygamy. He introduced it. He introduced it to all these different men. He married these different women, and they talked to all of these. And David was somewhat emotionally delicate anyways, and this brings him to the point of a mental breakdown, trying to reconcile what his mother had told him all his life, what he had always believed about his father. And then he meets all these Mormons and, and he starts seeing the evidence. They start laying out for him all these different people's statements about polygamy. And David ends up having a mental breakdown and spends uh, the rest of his life in a mental institution. Mm -hmm. And this is the son that's this born after, after Joseph died. died. So he never right. knew his father. Uh -huh. He grew up idolizing him and couldn't believe that this polygamy. Well, then he has to face my mom has lied to me my whole life, and my father was not this man that was always portrayed to me. And it's very sad that David just, and it just pushed him over the edge. It of. pushed him over the edge. He was delicate already, and he just yeah. couldn't handle that. Yeah. But Joseph Smith III, his older brother, uh, continued to argue for uh, Emma's statements that she did not. Uh, know anything of polygamy. There was no such thing going on. Joseph didn't have any other wives. But he had locked himself into a corner of, of taking this absolute stand before he'd ever talked to anyone out in Utah yeah, to know yeah. what evidence they had <coughs> that he really, that Joseph Smith really <coughs> lived polygamy. So it, it um, David being men, more mentally unstable than, mm. than um, older brother, the, than the older brother, it, it pushed him over the edge, but, mm -hmm. but Joseph Smith the third finally just kind of conceded that it might have happened. Um, but but if, he did, he, if it did, it was wrong. If he did, it was wrong. And, and, and I think I've got a quote a little later where it just says it couldn't be from God and it couldn't yeah, be from right. the Bible or even the Book of Mormon because right, it condemns right. polygamy as well. So they traveled to Salt Lake to gather the information. <coughs> Excuse me. And they, ha they had actually, uh, during that time, and I find this very interesting, the Utah Mormons were scrambling to get affidavits and all kinds of statements mm -hmm. that polygamy indeed did come from Joseph yeah, Smith. Right. Uh, and while these guys are trying to, to argue that polygamy didn't come from Joseph Smith, and so there's all kinds of at sworn affidavits yes. from people here uh, yeah. in Utah who, uh, even Joseph Smith's plural wives who were now widows. Right, and that's, that's what became so troubling for David, is that he was confronted with the actual people that practice it, that could tell him all the details and everything, and all these affidavits of people telling circumstances, names, dates, times, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when these things happened, um, and it was very disturbing for him. I have, I mean, we're going to put on the screen, it's, it's a um, website where any of our viewers can go. It's a long website, so get your pencil and write it down, or <laughs> you can email us, and we will send it to you by email. But there are, on this website, 
a lot of affidavits from men and women and and some of his ex-wife or his his widows I should say yeah. his plural wife widows uh, all swearing that Joseph Smith indeed did practice polygamy and that they were very well aware of it so that's the website you can go to to look and read those affidavits um, <clears throat> in um, Joseph Smith there's a book called Joseph Smith thought polygamy uh, written by Richard and Pamela Price and in volume 1 page 100 it says that Eliza Snow's di <clears throat> diary and her own testimony about being a plural wife of Joseph Smith is not sufficient proof that they were polygamous partners and their reasoning that Eliza now had become a widow of Joseph Smith now she had become another plural wife uh, only this time of Brigham Young and she was called a prophetess and a priestess here in Salt Lake City a very powerful woman and so now she had to kind of stand behind Brigham Young and his empire that he was building here so her her loyalty was to Brigham Young she she could say anything against uh, Joseph Smith and so they didn't they didn't want to use her affidavit as being uh, reliable. But that's not the only issue on establishing Joseph's practice of polygamy. Right. We know that uh, there's no doubt in 1835 the Doctrine and Covenants had a section in it saying that the church did not believe in practicing polygamy. <clears throat> and the whole reason for that statement being put in the Doctrine and Covenants is because Joseph was having an affair with a woman named Fanny Alger. At which the Mormons today would claim was one of his first plural wives. Right. So the, the, the polygamy issue was there as early as 1835 in Mormonism. It's not just something Brigham made up out here. Right. <laughs> in 35, the Mormons were dealing with polygamy. Then when you get to Nauvoo, you have John C. Bennett, who's Joseph Smith's bu bosom buddy and, and uh, at the time mayor of Nauvoo and stuff. Um, he finds out about Joseph's polygamy, so he starts practicing it on the side without Joseph's permission. So Joseph excommunicates Bennett for his bad behavior. Bennett writes an expose, and in the expose he tells that Joseph Smith's got all these plural wives. Now we know that Bennett was on the inside and knew the facts because when he talks of Joseph's plural wives, he uses the first initial of the lady's first name and then the asterisk for each letter, and then the initial the letter for the first of the last name and then the asterisk you would need to spell their name. So now that we know the list of his wives, we can go back and look at Bennett and plug in the names. Ah. So like the first yeah. one in Nauvoo was Louisa Beeman. Uh -huh. And so Bennett's got in L dot 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 B dot 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 and you, oh, it's Louisa Beeman. Uh -huh. And so we can go through and see who the list was. That shows that Bennett really was on the inside of things. He did know who the plural wives were. Now, I don't believe everything Bennett said in his book, but mm -hmm. it shows in 1842, the charges of polygamy were already there, that Joseph was the one doing it. And the names of a lot of these women, you had a woman named Martha Brotherton mm -hmm. that uh, had been locked up in the room with Joseph and Brigham Young and propositioned about becoming Brigham Young's plural wife. And Joseph Smith came in and told her it's okay, it's a God and everything, and she begs off that she's got to go pray about it, and then she leaves town. Her story is published at that time, so that it isn't just later Mormons claiming this. There was all kind of talk of polygamy in Nauvoo, mm -hmm. and Joseph's publicly saying, no, it's not true, we don't do that, but, but this talk is already <laughs> out there. People know something's yeah. going yeah. on. So, uh, and even with the reorganized church, their first newspaper, 
uh, called the Saints Herald, the first mm -hmm. issue of that, uh, the founders of the reorganized church have statements in there about polygamy where they concede it was in Nauvoo and they concede Joseph's involvement in it, but their argument is he repented. Oh, yeah. And he repented before he died. So, yeah. uh, but at the start of the reorganization, the founding older people knew the involvement was there. They just say he repented. Mm -hmm. that, but Joseph Smith III coming in as a younger person that wouldn't have been that aware of what was going on, uh, believes his mother. Yeah, and, and I came across one quote where, where Joseph Smith supposedly, according to these people, said that polygamy was from the devil himself and that he, I guess, recanted it and repented mm -hmm. and, and uh, renounced it before yeah. he died. But there isn't any real historical evidence that that is actually no, true. No, there, there's diaries and documentation to show that in 1844 he was still privately teaching people polygamy. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I don't see, I mean, unless you make him repent the last week of his life, up until the very end, he seems to have still been privately talking with people about it. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, William Clayton, of course, was Joseph Smith's personal secretary, and he testified. This is because some of these affidavits weren't just plural wives; they were also men who yes. were aware of Joseph Smith's antics and what he was doing in um, in Nauvoo. And William Clayton wrote and testified, and I quote: "Now I say to you, as I am ready to testify to all the world, that the revelation on polygamy." Was was given through the prophet Joseph on the 12th of July, 1843, and that the prophet Joseph both taught and practiced polygamy. Now, this revelation he's talking about is section 132 mm -hmm. of the Doctrine and Covenants, right. which the Utah Mormons now say is not polygamy, but celestial marriage. I yeah. get in arguments <laughs> like that all the time. And yet, if it's not the, the revelation on polygamy, where is his revelation on polygamy right. if that's not it? Well, and that's one of the other confusing things is the Mormons want to say polygamy was revealed to him as early as 1831. Well, why do they want to argue for an earlier knowledge of it before the date of the revelation? The reason is they know that you can connect his name with other women's names before the date on right. the revelation. <laughs> so they have to say, oh, well, the doctrine was revealed earlier. It just didn't get written down until 1843. And, and I always question that because if it's, if it's an essential for eternal life, which they taught it was, why would he wait 10 years or more to give an essential for eternal life? Right. That doesn't make any sense either. Well, and he's already married to uh, a number of women. By uh, 43, he's probably got a couple dozen wives already. <laughs> Okay, well, we need to take a break right now and open our telephone lines for our viewers who would like to call in and ask some questions or make comments uh, and add to the discussion that we're having tonight with Sandra Tanner. Our telephone number is 801-973-8820-973-TV20. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call, and we'll be sharing our message with you right now. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at 
tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we've made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show tonight, Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm your host, Doris Hansen, and our guest tonight is Sandra Tanner. And we are discussing the RLDS, the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, whose headquarters is in Missouri, in Independence, Missouri, and who is a fa one of the many, many dozens, hundreds of factions that have broken off from the original uh, Utah Mormon Church. Um, <clears throat> or I should say Joseph Smith's Mormon organization. We've been talking about how they have, have um, kind of morphed into different ideas and some of the things they believe and some they don't. I think it's very interesting that the Utah Mormons, which they won't like this statement, but the Utah Mormons and the Utah uh, Joseph Smith Mormon polygamy groups have much more in common than the RLDS um, does uh, right. with, uh, with the original Mormon. Um, a doctrine that Brigham Young brought. Uh, we have opened the phone lines. Uh, if you want to call in, 801-973-TV20, we'd love to hear from you and answer any questions that you might have from our discussion. Now, we've been talking about um, the, the Smith sons and the affidavits and, and, and finding the proof uh, uh, about Joseph Smith's polygamy because the RLS, RLDS denied it. I find it interesting. It's kind of a... a, a contradictory because in no and during those times they were falling all over themselves trying to put up the proof that polygamy was lived and and that Joseph Smith gave the revelation for polygamy but the, the today they fall all over themselves to deny it <laughs> and to refuse to believe that I mean yeah. I, I'm sure you must have people all the time who say I didn't know Joseph Smith lived polygamy I don't believe it I, right I, uh, they may know that he gave section 132 but many of the Mormons I talked to never knew that Joseph actually practiced right. it. Right, and then having 34 wives, uh, you know, that's well, uh, mind-boggling. Uh, I don't know if it was a year or so ago, Glenn Beck gave a statement on one of his shows where he's talking about his Mormonism, and he was talking about polygamy, and I couldn't believe how he went on and on about how the Mormons only practiced polygamy coming across the plains because so many of the men had got killed. 
And I thought, my goodness, in today's age, he should be more informed than that. There never were more women than men right. in Utah, and there weren't all these men that got killed. Polygamy was lived in Nauvoo anyways before they ever came west. It mm -hmm. was never a matter of a shortage of husbands. Yeah, there's all kinds of excuses that they've made up of why they live polygamy. Uh, Andrew Jensen was the first, um, I guess, official Mormon historian to research and list Joseph Smith's wives. And he yeah. did that for the same reason, wasn't it the same it reason? It all to had prove to it? do with Joseph Smith III. See, all of this came about when the reorganized church started going, and all of these claims of theirs that Brigham Young invented polygamy. And so then the Mormons uh, thought, wow, I guess we better document all of this. They'd always yeah. just assumed everyone would believe them. And then they thought, wow, we better collect all this. So Jensen was an official church historian. Utah Mormon Church historian. Utah Mormon Church, yes. And he went out and collected affidavits and statements from the Joseph Smith's plural wives, from Joseph Smith's friends and associates that were at Nauvoo, that were taught polygamy, that entered into polygamy, or whose family went into polygamy, uh, men whose sisters went into polygamy, and got all these different statements that verified dates, uh, times, situations, yeah, yeah. names of the women and all to show who they were. Now in Jensen's list, I believe he has about 24 women in his list. We now know the list probably is more like 38 women. Mm -hmm. Maybe higher because, than that. Because more information has become available. Yes, because as, as people go through more of the old diaries and journals, you find more names cropping up. Mm -hmm. And so in putting it all together, um, now scholars have had more access to the Nauvoo Temple records, mm -hmm. which has made a big difference in trying to see who all, all had sealings done, yeah. who got sealed to Joseph Smith. Right. So it's, it, the, the number has enlarged. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, very interesting information. Okay, we have some phone calls. Um, first of all, on line one, we have Mark from Salt Lake. Hello, Mark. Yes, I was on the, I, I looked the Community of Christ, and they affirmed the Trinity, but did the uh, original RLDS, did they, what was their thinking about the Godhead? I think the Reorganized Church has a complicated history on that. Um, I think when they first started getting together in the 50s, you would have had people in the group that would have heard Joseph Smith's King Follett sermon in Nauvoo. Yeah, that's what and, and the King Follett has everything to do with polygamy. No, not polygamy. It has to do with plural gods. Well, yeah, but plural gods is polygamy. Yeah, but it's not specifically <laughs> named. But uh, So there would have been early people in the reorganized movement that would have had some inkling of a later development of plural gods. Um, but the movement soon put down that view of God and went to a more one God concept. So today they would have just a more of a Trinitarian view. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Mark, for calling. Okay, on line two we have John from Salt Lake City. Hello, John. Yeah, hello, uh, you, uh, you girl. Um, I have a coming, uh, a new coming that... You need to turn, you know, um, John. You need to turn your television uh, volume down, completely down. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I have a point that um, why uh, the 
the, the people they follow Joseph uh, uh, sorry about Joseph uh, about he's a prophet or God why they not uh, look at it the other way the other uh, on the true book on the Bible God is like my um, uh, Mark why he, he people they listen to the people here and another coming and you guys need a, a work for why they teach the book of Mormon on the school the Utah school we need to stop that it, because we're not supporting the, the only the, uh, the Bible can can teach here on the earth not here the Utah the the book of Mormon our, our kids okay thank you now LDS thank you John oh. now, were you able to yes I think it's trying to say why don't people just go with the Bible why That's do they need thought. additional scripture and that would be our question too yeah but uh, there are many many religions out there divisions of Christianity that have different messages and there's different false prophets I mean the Mormons don't have the corner on the market there <laughs> uh, there are other groups out there that are claiming prophets and it all stems from people not taking the Bible seriously, not taking it as the final word of God, mm -hmm. and they want some new thing from God. And so they look for some man that can step in and say, oh, I've had the latest word from God. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have any checks and balances on the system of who you believe and why you believe them, to make them accountable to the Bible, you end up with Mormonism. You mm -hmm. end up with Joseph Smith or Jim Jones or um, whoever you want to throw out there as false leaders because there's no checks and balance to bring right. them back accountable right. to what God said in the first place. Mm -hmm. And once you start saying, oh, we have a prophet, he's not bound by what was said in the past, we get further revelation, you have opened the door yes. for every kind of heresy you can yeah. imagine. And that's exactly what's happened. And, yeah. and that continues to happen when you have a living prophet because they can continue to add and add and Well, add look at Warren Jeffs. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was just going to say, and all the polygamy groups are doing that yeah. same thing. And it is very dangerous, and we do come up with some very ugly things. Okay, line three. Line three, we have Jeff from Salt Lake City. Hello, Jeff. Hi, how are you? My question is, if I can ask this correctly, have they always called themselves Latter-day Saints since the very beginning, or were they called Mormons in the beginning, and somewhere along the lines did they change it, calling themselves LDS or Latter-day Saints? I guess LDS to sound more hip or more modern or to try to disassociate from the word Mormon. Um, was that term used back in the mid-1800s, or was it a later thing that came along? Mormonism was founded in 1830 with the name Church of Christ. They changed their name in 1834, Church of the Latter-day Saints. They changed it again in 1838 to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So the Latter-day Saints thing was a later addition. Uh, they changed the name several times. Mormon was an early nickname given them to them because of the Book of Mormon. Okay, I got it. Mm -hmm. I was just curious if that was something they brought on later, because when you talk to people today, they say, I'm LDS. They don't say they're Mormon. They say they're LDS. And well, I, Mormon, I, the word Mormon was originally used as a slang word, and they took right. offense at that. 
Okay, so Mormon would be a slang term and LDS would be the correct term? Right. Oh, I got it. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you, Jeff. Okay, we, we have a couple of lines open if you want to call in and, and make some comments about our show. We'd love to hear from you, 801-973-8820. Um, we, I read, we were talking about the sons and, and what they uh, thought about Joseph Smith's polygamy and, and um, the youngest one who ended up in an institution. Um, in Mormon hierarchy, Michael Quinn writes about this David, tragedy, yeah. about David, and he said, quote, David H. Smith became a tragic casualty <clears throat> of the succession debate about polygamy. Although his other brothers insulated their minds against the evidence, David could not. He served a mission to Utah in 1872 to convert the people he described as poor, deceived souls. And then later, the next page, he writes, quote, David concluded that his father was adulterous. He told his mother that she had lied to him and refused to listen to her denials. His world was unraveling. Yes. Isn't that a sad story? Is it yes, to read it really about is. him? Uh, yeah. How, how, how you, like you say, he probably worshipped his father and because he never knew him. Yeah. And, and then he hears nothing but good about him until he comes out here and then... And out shocked. here they would have been saying he was still a good guy. They wouldn't have been saying he was a bad guy. They would have said he was a good guy. Right. Why, look, he married all these women. Right. He was obeying God. And, and the uh, pressure of that, trying to reconcile that in, in his mind, was just too much for him. It, it would have been awful. And, of course, he spent, I think it was 27 years uh, back. Yeah. We, we have a bibliography we want to put on the screen, too, the information uh, so where we got some of our information for the show tonight. If anybody wants to, to look up these references for yourself, of course, you can go to utlm.org, which is Sandra's website, and there's a ton of information there about everything. Mm -hmm. And then there's Wikipedia. You can look up the Sex of the Latter-day Saint Movement. Uh, Lifeline2RLDS.org. You can find a lot of information about the RLDS there. There's also some books that we used. Uh, Mormon Enigma by Linda King Newell and Valine Tippett's Avery. The Divergent Paths of the Restoration by Stephen Shields. Biography of David Smith from Mission to Madness by Valine Tippett's Avery. These are some uh, of the very yeah. good books with, right. with good, solid, referenced information that you right. can do your own study on that. And, and, I, and the Michael Quinn book, Mormon Hierarchy, Origins of Power, that you quoted from oh, earlier. Yeah. I didn't it has there, huh? uh, quite a number of uh, uh, pages devoted to the whole uh, Joseph Smith III um, controversy, the whole problem of the succession to Joseph's office, uh, because it was a very um, confusing time mm -hmm. and a lot of contenders. So uh, Quinn's book has a very good discussion of how that all got resolved and why Brigham Young ended up leading the Mormons West. Okay, so you can look at your own uh, material and find this out for yourself. Okay, we have a uh, call calling um, line one, Mike from Tooele. Hello, Mike. Hi. Hello, you're on the air, Mike. Mike. He's got his phone. His uh, Mike. Hi, how are you? Very good. You're on the air. What's your question? Okay, my question is, what brought on the, uh, the revelation of, uh, to Joseph Smith? What brought on... <laughs> okay, uh, my question is, what brought 
the revelation to Joseph Smith about starting polygamy? When and when and why? What was the reason? Well, I think the reason was that he started being attracted to other women, and uh, in eighteen mid eighteen thirties, when uh, in Kirtland, the Smiths had a young girl in their home as a house helper, uh, Fanny Alger, and uh, Joseph evidently fell in love with her and had an affair with her. And according to sources of the day, Emma caught them in the barn together, and this caused a great ruckus. Uh, Oliver Cowdery, one of the witnesses to the Book of Mormon, wrote to his brother Warren about this, after the event, and he told his brother, I stood Joseph to the face about his dirty, nasty, filthy affair with Fanny Alger. I mean, that's a direct quote mm -hmm. of how Oliver wrote his brother Warren Cowdery. And so you have these charges of adultery in the early, in the 30s. And uh, at what point did Joseph start thinking about making it a doctrine? It's hard to say. Obviously, polygamy was on his mind in the Book of Mormon because he has the part in Jacob about polygamy and mm -hmm. David and Solomon's wives being an abomination and you can't live it unless God revealed otherwise. So it's on his mind even at the start of Mormonism, but then through the years, I'm assuming because he was attracted to other women, he sought a justification for what was in his heart. Mm -hmm. And so he comes okay. up with this revelation. Yeah, and and he was going to, and, and, and like you say, fa uh, his his um, uh, wife had caught him in more than mm -hmm. one occasion. And if you say, thus saith the Lord, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and of course he misused the biblical polygamy and brought that into it, and that, yes. that makes it sound more justifiable as right. well uh, yeah. by doing that, which is, it is uh, a crime, I think, and just to use God as yes. a reason yes. for his. So very quickly, we're, we're drawing close to the end here. Very quickly, how do we summarize this? How do we believe? How do we know what to believe? Who do we know what to believe? The Utah Mormons believe this. The RLDS believe this. The polygamists believe this. They all love Joseph Smith. <laughs> well, the historical record is clear. He was involved with other women. The historical record is clear that he gave a revelation. The question is, did it come from God? And I would say, no, it didn't. It doesn't agree with the Bible. And uh, they always use, the, the one thing I'd like to say very quickly before our closing comments, they, they like to say, well, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and jo Jacob lived polygamy. Isaac didn't, by the way, but they say he did. Uh, so it must be okay. Mm -hmm. And, and they, they can't believe that we would say that somebody in the Bible, some of these prophets were sinners. Yeah. But they were. Yes. They didn't. They, God didn't tell them um, to live polygamy. They lived it because that's what they did. So um, Joseph Smith just used that. Well, thank you, Sandra. Yeah. I appreciate you're just full of information. We could go on for hours. Um, and so, but she's going to be back again in February. We have another topic we're going to be discussing at that time. You know, the leaders of all the polygamy groups, as well as the Mormon church itself, each claim that they have God's only living prophet. In fact, there are so many living prophets in this culture, we almost don't know what to do with them all. But we Christians actually have the only true living prophet, and his name is Jesus Christ. There is no need for, and there is no room for any other living prophet. You see, our our prophet is the light of the world. Can your prophet claim that? Does the fullness of the Godhead dwell within your living prophet like he does in ours?
Our prophet, Jesus, is the Prince of Peace. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. Can your prophet claim these things? Our prophet, Jesus, said he is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. Our prophet is the Lord God Almighty. That's who our prophet is. He's also called Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's the Good Shepherd. He's the Great Shepherd. He's the perfect Lamb of God. Our prophet is living. Jesus is alive. Our prophet is holy. Our prophet is righteous. And we sing praises only to him. Our prophet died on the cross for our sins. Can you say all these things about your prophet? If not, then he's not a valid prophet for these last days. Jesus said, everyone who is of the truth listens to him. So whom do you listen to? I'll take my living prophet, Jesus Christ, every day of the week over and above every one of these other so-called prophets. And the best part is our prophet has secured eternal life for us. He, in truth, there's only one true prophet. He's Jesus Christ. So choose the right prophet. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.